the Sunday Morning Linux Review with Mary Tomich, Tom Lawrence, and Tony Bemis as the Beaver. And this is episode 284. Linux is 27. Let's compile a cake. Compile a cake. That's awesome. <laughs> this is Tony Bemis. Mary Tomich. Phil Parada. And Tom Lawrence. And uh, what kind of? We well, wait a minute. Going. It's been so long since we've I, all been together. I know. I was thinking that too. I was. Like, I almost wow, didn't like, recognize you, Tony. Four of us. But my question is, what kind of cake would it be? What flavor? Mm. What kind? Apple patchy. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right. I like that. All right. Yeah. So, Tony, what the heck? Yeah, I just busy camping, family vacations, mm-hmm. uh, just things going on. Timing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been a lot. And then, yeah, it was just all about timing because then the few times I was back, then everybody else was gone. and mm-hmm. Or you were. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't where know. was I? I was somewhere. Oh, was I, I think I was, uh, I was up north. Oh, were you? I was vacationing uh, in a beautiful Traverse City, Traverse City area. I love Traverse City. Oh, my gosh. It's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, well, good. It's good to have you back. Thanks. It's good to have you back. And, of course, we always look forward to Tony being here because he always brings Timbits. Yeah, Timbits. Oh, we didn't even open it yet. Here we got to I know. That's why, that's why oh. I mentioned it, Tony. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, go so uh, good, to, good, to, uh, good to have you back. And uh, what else has been going on with you? How was uh, mm. your uh, very important, busy job? Uh, it's actually doing really good. I, um, you know, I do firewall administration at the hospital, and mm-hmm. um, I'm enjoying it, and Good. Uh, yeah, but uh, my the big thing I'm working on is non-computer related, and mm-hmm. I'm tearing apart my backyard. I uh, ripped out a concrete patio. You just got tired of mowing, or what? I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I ripped out the concrete concrete patio with a skid steer. You know what a skid steer is? No. Uh, would you know what a bobcat? I've done is, that right? in a car. I've yeah. skidded and tried to steer out of it. <laughs> you know what a bobcat is? Oh yeah, it's one of those yeah. little. Um, Little bulldozer thing? Yeah, a four-wheel thing. It usually has a bucket on the front. You can either, you know, pick things up, move things around, or you can actually dig with the bucket. I've always fantasized if I were rich, I was going to buy one and just dig holes because yeah. <laughs> they look so cool. It, well, I got yes. to I got to uh, <laughs> drive one, and I with and it had a jackhammer on the front of it. That's oh, awesome. Oh, my god! Yeah, so I was like, bah, 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 ripping up my patio. At what time? <laughs> Uh, it was during the day. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, although there was a few times my thought, my wife thought I was gonna, I was taking down the house, because I was hitting, you know, I was breaking the concrete that's butt up against the house. Oh, sure. Oh, and and she says uh, dishes on the opposite side of the house was rattling. Oh my! It just resonated. Uh, yeah. Um, no, but I got that all tore up, and we mm-hmm. hand carried it all out. It's a seventeen by seventeen patio. That was a lot of hand carrying. And it was, <laughs> but. Uh, I'm not even done with the uh, the teardown yet. I still, now I have to dig out all the dirt down. Oh, because uh, you know when yeah when they put inches. that in there, they usually have other stuff underneath it. Yeah, to level. Well, it there's and all uh, that. yeah, it's four inches of sand and then mm-hmm. dirt, and now I have to dig down because what I'm putting in is a. You're gonna end up putting in a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> if you yeah. dig down all that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the last family man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the. Uh, um, I'm putting in a paver patio, so we have to oh, do. Oh, I've done that. You have to, yeah, you have to dig down like 
eight inches. Yeah, and you do. so you put like six inches of Double. this base, mm-hmm. and then an inch of sand, and then an inch and a half. And it's that patio. special sand, isn't it? Isn't it that special fine grain sand? It's even finer grain. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe as I recall, um, because it you want it when, once you get the pavers it's, in, you want it. Uh, and welcome to the Sunday morning sand. home and garden show. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to get that sand in between the pavers so that those. Um, pavers are really locked in place, and I think it's like a special sand. It's finer grain than normal. Mm. Well, I was so. hoping to reuse what they had there, so I'll have to see. Well, you might be able to for um, like the the layer. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then there's sand that goes on top of the bricks too, right? And that's well, that's the that's one I'm talking. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they I'm actually have about. a poly uh, sand. I, I forgot what they called it, but what mm-hmm. it has, um, um, I guess poly like plasticish. It's in the middle of it. And when you, you put it down and you brush it all so it's all off the top of it, but it's in between all the bricks, and you wet it down, mm-hmm. and it becomes like concrete, like cement between all the bricks so nothing starts moving, nothing grows through it. Oh, wow. So, Good. yeah, that's my uh, that's the last step. Okay. Wonderful. So, yeah, so my back is really sore. I, I dug out four <laughs> inches of sand uh, a day and a so half ago. So we're looking ago, for and... anyone who's a chiropractor? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. uh, and then today, my plan is dig out another couple inches, and then mm-hmm. tomorrow the next couple of inches. And yeah, it's a holiday weekend. Yeah, isn't that when the uh, what is it? The honeydew list comes out. Oh yeah. Well, this honeydew list came out two months ago. And oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so right. that's what I've been working on. Wow. In the middle of upgrades and trying to keep everything else running. Oh, I did have to replace a hard drive in my free NAS, mm. and it was. Simple. It was fairly simple, mainly because the one that died was completely different from the rest of them. So I have. Oh, so like, to find it was easier. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! I see. Well, how uh, many? Uh, how many are in the free NAS? System? So I have I have five drives. Okay. Five two terabyte drives. Mm-hmm. Four of them was Western Digital Enterprise drives, and one of them was a um, Seagate drive. Well, and, this, failed, and when right? I looked through Seagate the, failed, right? We're shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> when I looked through the serial numbers of what was still on the system. They were all similar. I'm like, well, I know it's all the Western Digital ones are good. So mm-hmm. the one that would be a different serial number would have been the yeah. Seagate. Yep. I have a giant pile of bad Seagate drives in the other room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> they die a lot. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I've got, oh, I have a couple at home, a couple of external Seagates, and I keep thinking, oh, I should get some Western Digital ones and just take everything off there before it fails because yeah. drives are cheap. Oh, Tony, what would you recommend, or anybody? Actually, um, for a, for a good, uh, reliable um, external drive where no. I'm not interested in getting the cheapest. I also don't want to overpay, but I want to get something reliable. What would you... I, mean, I would look... I, I would really do the research. Um, but mm-hmm. off the top of my head, uh, HGST is... Um, I, I've heard it's been really yes. good. Oh, okay. But I use uh, Backblaze's report to I review that, and they, okay. they have, like, the definitive because they give you really good statistics on hard drives. I recommend that, too. Okay. And HGST is the ones we come up with. HGSTs and Western Digital Reds are the mm-hmm. two consistently reliable drives we use for NAS. Okay. Yeah, the, and that's all, these are all internal drives we're talking about, so it's yeah. not necessarily an external drive like you're talking about. Sure, but, but you can always put an internal drive in a case. Yep. Right. So, hmm. Hey, I'm just looking for something that's going to last. Mm-hmm. Don't buy seats. But and when I said to the <laughs> <laughs> Tom said subliminally, yeah. yes. you know, I actually had thought like for a long time I thought Seagates were really good because they had a long warranty. It was like five years of warranty. I'm not sure how they stay in business with their warranty. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
But then you're like, well, it's more reliability when you look at not the, well, are they going to replace your, because they, they, they don't replace your data that was on the drive. So it's reliability is what you're, you need to look at. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, the issue, so I said you need to do your research because HGST may be great, but the two terabyte drives were awesome. The three terabyte drives sucked, but then the four <laughs> terabyte drives were great, you know. So it's really mm-hmm. you get if you look up that Backblaze uh, report and they'll and that's they Backblaze yeah they do their quarterly yeah. uh, drive it's detail a report cloud services provider and so they do a lot of storage mm-hmm. they'll have like you know we installed ten thousand drives and this many failed it's a, it's an interesting report yeah well, great I'll have to check and that they out. and what's neat about it is they they mainly use. Uh, consumer drives right yes not it's not specifically yep. enterprise drives yeah backblaze is cool i use them for storage uh i have an account with them but they they allow prices close to glacier uh in terms of storage pricing mm. uh for their buckets oh you're talking about amazon's glacier yeah they're a competitor for that mm-hmm. so they're not just competitive cloud storage they're actually competitive at the price level closer to glacier uh which is pretty amazing yeah yeah i've got a, a little glacier vault It's been out there for so long, I forgot what's in it. I'll have to check. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite memes recently is want to keep your file safe, and then the first option is TrueCrypt, and it's practically impossible to break, and the second option is VeraCrypt, which is virtually impossible to crack even in the distant future. And then the third option is a Seagate Veracuda 3-terabyte drive, and it says, data unrecoverable after a few months, even on unencrypted volumes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Side note to that, if you dig into why certain drive platters fail... So the two terabyte and the four terabyte are based on the same platters. They just double the platters inside of them. Oh, and the one and go. a half terabyte and a three terabyte are based on the same platter. You'll find commonalities between there, the way they do the platter size. So if you had problems at one, the one that is exactly double the size was probably built on the same platter technology. Hmm. Oh, good point. All right. Well, well, thank you, yeah. Tony. <laughs> yeah, so it was interesting. So, no, so the hard part is you figure out which one mm-hmm. you have to replace. And then when you swap it out... Then uh, what, what actually was really interesting, so I swap it out and I go on to their website to f- to find out, like, what is the actual steps to replace this? And uh, the first thing it says, do not use the drive management button. Do not use the drive management. Do you understand? You do not use the drive management button. <laughs> you have to go in, like, into the actual pool and then, and then right-click on the one drive and say replace. Yeah. And then it replaces it. It says, what do you want to replace it with? This one? And then 20 hours later, it's re-silvered, yep. and mm-hmm. it's working good. If you oh, good. Google search it, my video comes up of how to replace hard drives and freenas. <laughs> it's one of my popular videos. Yeah. I bet it is. I bet it is. Well, great. Let's, uh, we'll just kind of keep things rolling. Um, actually, what I did is pretty short. I, you know, you guys know I've, uh, I ran Kubuntu for years and years and years, and then about a year and a half ago or so, I, I flipped mm-hmm. to, I flipped should be illegal. No, just kidding. Oh. Um, but I flipped to um, KDE Neon, and I've been running that and running that, and I'm mostly okay with it. Well, I'm kind of thinking about going to uh, uh, Chaos or KOS. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. It's you know I I don't make that I don't make those decisions lately. But when I do, I I make the move. So we'll see what happens. So I was I was thinking about that, and the only other thing that. Uh, that happened is um, I have a mouse I hadn't used, a uh, Logitech mouse I hadn't used in a long time. You know, I love Logitech mice because they're very reliable. 
So um, I happened to I, I opened up the I opened it up to pull out the dongle, and uh, lo and behold, the battery had corroded. So I have a uh, I have a, I have corrosion all inside mm. here, and I'm going to have to clean it out and blow out the particulates. And my my history with that kind of thing, you can never get enough out. I I usually right. end up throwing it away after one or two times trying to clean it. Yeah, I'll give it I'll give it a try just in the interest of uh, recycling and being green. Yeah. But yeah, if, I'm not gonna not gonna waste five hours trying to get it to work. Yeah. I I don't plan on wasting five hours. We'll see how that works. <laughs> but I know we had talked a little bit before the show started about the dongles and um, mapping dongles, and I had mentioned I have four of them sitting at home, and I would love to be able to use those dongles again, but. Um, so, anybody have any uh, suggestions as far as where to where to go to uh, get that information or how that's done? Is it is it someone like myself, um, you know, someone who's a power user like myself, be able to do something like that, or do you have to get into the you know the bits and bots of it? Bits if you and bites. Yeah. I found this thing. If you've got a bunch of Logitech dongles and a Bunch and of a Logitech. piece of string, you've got a new necklace Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of mice, and you don't know which dongle goes to what. I have um, that problem. Logitech has this unifying receiver software, which is great if you're on Windows or Mac. But on Linux or BSD, someone's created this thing called Solar, S-O-L-A-A-R, which is the uh, device manager that can do the unifying thing for you mm-hmm. on linux and so by and by unifying you're you're, you're you are saying... repairing a dongle to a device okay so oh, really? it doesn't matter what the what logitech dongle uh was doing what you can just remap it to whichever device you want which i thought nice. was pretty nifty i i think that is pretty nifty because um i uh, i end up with uh, all this stuff and I try so then I line them all up and I try to okay is this one this and this or is it the battery is it not moving because of the battery or is yeah. it because I've got the wrong dongle so you know what would be interesting is whether you can uh, use HD or uh, SDR software on it you know as a, a software defined radio because it is an RF radio right that's in there <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you can't do much with it but uh, that'd be huh. interesting well, I'm going to, so it's Solar, S-O-L-A-A-R? Yes. All right. Well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look into that, Phil. I would thank you very much. And more of them are becoming Bluetooth, which is kind of cool, too. So you just turn the Bluetooth on on your laptop. Hopefully the pairing is secure. Yeah. <laughs> You're a funny guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and. if you didn't know, there's a recent hack on that. No, I, um, I don't know if I remember that or not. But I'm happy to say that um, if uh, you're running an Ubuntu-based distro, that Solar is available. <clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, repositories. And uh, if you if you go to pull it in, you'll pull in some uh, Python, a couple of Python files too. So great. My first ever distro back in college was Kubuntu. I still mm-hmm. have the disk. It's sitting in uh, sitting somewhere at my parents' house. Well, what do you know? What version or what year? Uh, Eight point oh four. Wow! So I'm I'm a newbie to this whole game. <laughs> a newbie in name only. Should have like a reminiscing on technology show where we talk yeah. about dialing up. Right. That, that came up yesterday at our meeting. So. Three hundred baud modem, acoustic coupler. That's how I put guy. myself to sleep at night. <laughs> the yeah. sounds of the handshake. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Okay, so, all right, that's basically it for me. Go ahead, yeah. Phil. 
been a busy uh, past two weeks. Um, lots of budgeting and planning, much like everything a system administrator does. Um, we're going to get solar panels put on the barn. Cool. Um, nice. So I've been doing a lot of work to prepare for that. Can uh, you blog about it? I should. You should. I, think I absolutely be, should. I think it would be a very interesting uh, project for people to read about. <clears throat> in Michigan. For me to read about. <laughs> That's something I'd like to do. In Michigan, you can get a 30% tax break um, on the total cost of a solar system installation. And mm -hmm. I'm, on, I'm fully on board with that. With a seven-and-a-half-year return on my investment, yes, please. Nice. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, we are, uh, we're looking at the same thing because one of our bigger goals is purchase this building. And because there's no obstructions for it to face south, and this is a cement roof. So mm -hmm. we can put some heavy stuff. We can put the length of this building, we can put uh, solar panels on. Very cool. Yeah. So you said it's a seven and a half um, uh, return or seven mm -hmm. year return on investment? Yep. Is that after the 30% or is that before? Because it, like, it would make it like a 10 year return and then 30% off and make it seven. Um, for that, I believe that's after. Yeah. I think that's how I, I did the math. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, com for a 15-year a uh, loan, and I can pay that off in seven and a half years? Sure. Yeah. It'll be something like 4.25% uh, APR. Um, I'm going to get a loan through a credit union. Uh, a Michigan credit union, so that's really nice too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, one of the things that makes us think about it is, as I can hear the air conditioning running right now, that is most of our cost is the keeping the building cool, uh, the HVAC system. So for us, it's kind of like, even though you don't have as much sun in the winter, that's not where we spend our money. It's in the summer cooling this place. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so they have a direct. It would have a direct benefit if we could power the AC systems. So we're gonna go uh, grid tied. So if the power ever goes out, I still have to run a generator. But that's okay. Um, I can eventually switch to uh, some sort of battery-backed system if I so choose to one day. Get a Tesla wall. Yeah, Tesla wall. <laughs> you can build your own. There's a guy who has a, a great YouTube channel on how to build Tesla walls. I, I watched some of those videos. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, the guy, I think he's in California. He has the cool car. Last name Musk. No. <laughs> <laughs> Elon has surprisingly let these people get away with a lot. They're running in gray area because there's no official statement from Tesla on there. Um, there was a there well, was he's in a article. whole lot of trouble anyway. He, well, he's busy with tweeting stupid stuff, but um, and getting himself in trouble. But uh, no, he's actually even though he's open sourced a lot of it, he hasn't clearly stated the legalities of working on a lot of these mm -hmm. things. There's clear statements because there's law surrounding the other automotive manufacturers, but Tesla is an exception in a lot of ways. So everyone's yeah. kind of waiting to see. He's not done anything about it. And these people are very public. They have whole teardown videos on Tesla, uh, how to rebuild them, how to reuse them, how to get them off the Tesla network. And there, there's none of these people have gotten in trouble or even a C&D. They have not even received a mm -hmm. single notice. So they're oh. kind of happy and he seems to be committed to openness because it doesn't seem it has no direct effect on him, but he's also um, not stable sometimes after reading his Twitter. I don't know. Oh, he's my favorite supervillain. He's like Hank Scorpio from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, I must have missed for, that episode. Well, look for any incident that's ever happened in life, there is an equivalent Simpson episode that we can explain it with. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and not to change the subject, but I just I installed that solar, 
And uh, unfortunately, I think my battery's dead in this thing, but it's really nice. It opens up to your system tray. You've got a nice little graphical interface, and then it tells you um, what mouse should be. Or oh, I guess cool. it's apparently, it says like M. M325, well, I guess oh, is the type of mouse. And then uh, you're supposed to turn on the mouse that you want to pair with it. You're supposed to turn it on, which I did with this. I may have dropped it one too many times, too, so I'm not sure. But, but um, It happened to me, too, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you, you turn it on and then it's, it, it will look for the, uh, the signal and then we'll create the pairing. So, so I got partway through and I'm, I'm going to give it a try when I get home. But yeah, I'm very impressed with this. Cool. So, cool. so thank you for, the, for sharing that. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it too. <laughs> um, I I also uh, in recent history I also bought an electric scooter from Mary uh, the other weekend. It's yeah. a 2007 Vectrix. I haven't run it yet. Um, no, but I have to figure out some way to uh, initially charge the battery. But or he'll be selling it for parts. Yeah. <laughs> no no. So s- send us an email uh, if if you've ever run. A Vectric scooter and had to deal with getting it charged. Well, do you know what the voltage is? Not off the top of my head. You can plug it into uh, you can plug it into a regular outlet. It's a three prong plug. Does that help? Oh, so it has a charger built into it. Yes. And that, that that's not what is. It, but it needs is, a battery. It's not working, or well, the batteries have been dead for um, the batteries have not been charged for like at least eight years. Hmm. So. Hmm. So the um, based on some initial research. You've got to do some special futzing with it uh, to get it to take a charge. Uh, That's a tech term. (laughs) Um, You live on a farm. I'm sure you have all sorts of uh, possibilities there, right? (laughs) In time. Hey, and by the way, too, I, you know, just to go back to solar for a minute because I'm kind of giddy about this. Um, you can pair uh, apparently uh, for this dongle. I can pair. Now I'm thinking you can pair up to six devices to this receiver. Does that mean simultaneously, or does that mean six different models um, have the right chip compatibility or something? Are you talking about multiplayer Linux. Well, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Not talking about solar. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You can, you can have a mouse for each hand now. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Open source so. possibilities. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, How's life been for you, Tom? Yeah. It has been good. Um, I finished one project, which, like Tony, it required digging and moving of dirt and things. And I loathe home projects, like, but it needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And I'm too cheap to pay someone to do it. Well, I still <laughs> paid someone to do it. I just did some of it myself with that person, so... <laughs> I <heard> some help. <laughs> so it was resealing the foundation. So you dig out, you reseal foundation, you put it back. I just didn't want to pay. I got a quote to get it done, and they wanted 15000 and I thought, that seems like a lot. So yeah. I found out a way to do it for less than 1000 <laughs> So hey. just, then I realized how why they charge so much is because no one really wants to shovel that much dirt. <laughs> but renting power tools is awesome, so that's one of the fun things as an adult. The toys are bigger. And it's <laughs> yes. yes, that is lots of fun. Yeah, so uh, there's that. On, on the more uh, tech-related things, we are, uh, what is the Silicon Valley term? Pivoting the company. So <laughs> we've decided to focus a lot more on our YouTube channel um, because that's where more of our inbound leads are coming from. So we actually don't have a salesperson anymore. 
uh, he left. And we spent a month of no salesperson, which, of course, is always a revealing thing when someone leaves. You find out what they do. And we found out what they were doing for another staff member who ter- apparently didn't know how to do a few things, so the other person would do his paperwork for him. Oh. And we're like, how do you not know how to do paperwork? Well, um, <laughs> Marvin did it. <laughs> I'm like, well, now you need to do the paperwork. So there's mm-hmm. training involved. That's always fun. Mm. I just didn't, you know. I don't, and we're a small business, but somehow I overlooked that this person, someone else is doing his paperwork for him. <laughs> it's teamwork, Tom. It's teamwork. <laughs> hey, but I'm kind of curious now that you got rid of your salesperson. Um, so, and are focusing on your YouTube, YouTube channel, is it too early to tell um, as far as uh, what percentage of your leads came? Well, you probably already knew that. What percentage oh, yeah. came from YouTube versus sales? And Oh, well, yeah, and that's um, the thing. YouTube's already been ramping up. Um, you know, just there's. Uh, 83 leads came in, and um, I think wow. over half of them turned into a sale uh, in the last just month. So, and the thing that's the when you look at things, you like you're the marketing, your conversion rate. If you're cold calling on average in the tech business, you're talking mm-hmm. about 100 calls a day is what the, a lot of these people prescribe, and you're talking about a one percent return that you can even get an appointment, not necessarily mm-hmm. a sale. And another, yeah. you do dive. That would be even more for a sale. And, uh, going door-to-door, things like that. It's, always, it's just really, really grindy and hard doing the IT sales process. Mm-hmm. It's expensive, and that's part of the – that expense then gets translated to cost of the customer. So by shifting going, we're already making all these leads on YouTube, and we have word-of-mouth working for us really well because we have over 350 businesses we're doing IT for. I got another full-time tech starting on Tuesday. Um, so we're busy. So I'm just like, well – quit grinding away at the sales engine, leave the customers we have as they are because they're paying us money, mm-hmm. and focus on growth on the other sure. side. So we're actually looking at some market automation because uh, booking my techs for their time, because everything we're doing is remotely, which has my techs and me way more excited because, you know, driving sucks. You know. We're just, oh. for, for the show, we talked about how there's freeway closures and everything else. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it's funny because we get it. I uh, got a call from a company. They're like, hey, uh, can you guarantee, like, SLA being, uh, could physically be able to be on site within this amount of time? It's only 25 miles from your office, so we think you might be a good candidate for this. I'm like, nope, it's 25 miles north of here. I said, that takes us an hour and a half to get there. From you have to the go time. through Detroit. Yeah, I have to go through. I said, traffic's I mean, too bad. It's, major it, we're metro. having more and more yeah. gridlock here. So we're looking at more remote work because, well, <clears throat> yeah. I just have to deal with Internet traffic at that point. And, you know, <laughs> as long as the Internet's working. As long as Comcast doesn't screw up. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a laugh. <laughs> We're looking at, um, we just, there's wild fiber. Just, our neighbors got wild fiber here, so we have a fiber connection to the building now. And nice. So thank you, neighbors. Thank you, neighbors. So we may look at. Uh, Do you know that they started an airline, too? Who? Wow. Did they? What? No. <laughs> no. Oh. There is an airline, wow. Oh, I did not know mm. that. Yeah. There's yeah. a new expansion, too. This is a new expansion for wow. Yes. <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> So many plays on words. <laughs> okay, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back on track right now. Back on track. Okay, so I guess we've kind of caught up. Anything yeah. else, Tom? Or is it no, pretty nothing, much it? Nothing okay. new exciting. Um, everything else is just like I said, trying to make more. YouTube nothing new and, and exciting. So, are you saying that you just told us the boring stuff? That's just the boring stuff. Yeah, that's it's not, pretty good though. That's it's cool. It's mostly because we're already doing it, so it's not. To, it's not. I realized I just insulted Tom. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> Tom. I'm so sorry. You know, uh, oh, I will mention this right here because there may mm-hmm. be someone in Detroit area listening. So we started the DEF CON 313, which are mini DEF CON meetups from the Hacker Security Conference. And we had our first meetup uh, yesterday. That went really well. I think it was 11 people showed up to it, which more people what are What was the male to female ratio? 
females were there? What? No, there was no females. There. <laughs> I, I, I was just curious. I was just curious. Um, it's it's <laughs> the same as it is in my YouTube channel, which is ninety eight point one percent male uh, mm-hmm. audience, because YouTube gives me really deep analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, speaking of that, I, this shocking. I didn't check this until we were looking at sponsors, so you have to put your numbers together. Uh, my YouTube channel gets a hundred twenty eight thousand unique viewers every thirty days. And cool. That's how I also know the male to female ratio is like ninety eight point one percent male. I'm like, wow, sure. that's the other stat. I'm like, yeah. So I'm, I have a feeling no one's going to want to buy ads from me that is uh, trying to focus on that female audience. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Those are the stats. They are how they are. So, but uh, we're making sure we have a proper uh, ethics and codes and things mm-hmm. like that. So uh, you know, make sure Good. we do that because we that actually came off a discussion of how a lot of these start on like hey let's have some ground rules because as we know at any of the conferences they all have good ethics codes so okay and that's yeah. all exciting stuff the hacking stuff's way more exciting to me actually. oh yeah it would be i mean i if i if i knew if i had my <laughs> if i had my uh you know street cred for in hacking more i i would show up but uh i would just I, sit there i definitely want to be there yeah that's our goal is to try to get people who don't know how to hack because we think there's a lot more people that mm-hmm. would would probably like to do it and uh, mm-hmm. just are afraid to know how to start. And that's kind of our goal. We want to be very, very inclusive to people. We're like, we have people that say, well, can I just come and watch? Because I'm, I'm like, absolutely. This is how you learn. You oh, may find you like okay. it. That's kind of our goal. When is the next meeting? Yeah. Uh, two weeks. Okay. Oh, I'm going to be in Iceland. Oh, well. Are you really? Yes. There's no one after two weeks after that. I'm going to be a week from Monday. Nice. SSHN. <laughs> well, we started a Discord channel. We're going right. to have we have a hey, website that's going to be put I'll together do for the all next this. one. Yeah, all right. We might even have the next one here because uh, I didn't realize. So as good as some of these people were at doing hack the box, they did not understand a lot of Wi-Fi stuff. So it turned into kind of a discussion oh, okay. uh, of you know what I have is a whole lot of equipment here and have a meetup here and we'll tear down Wi-Fi and, t- and talk to people how that works, how you can deauthenticate, mm-hmm. how you can do it. We had Wi-Fi pineapples out. I actually have a land turtle in here, so we had all the hacking physical tools and a lot of people want to know how to use the physical stuff for like yeah. come here hack my yeah. network yeah <laughs> all right well hack the network i set up for you to hack that's what okay that was right. all right all right that's so awesome. um all right well i guess uh now that we've now that we've shared what we've been doing let's hear let's hear from our listeners We want to hear from you. Call 734-258-7009 or email show at smlr.us with your feedback and questions. Do we have a cricket sound? Don't don't call the number. Yeah, don't call the number. We just I'll, I'll add that now. Oh. Well, yeah, do, do we have a cricket sound? We don't know where the number goes, Tony. Yeah. We didn't have up. any uh, We should edit the audio for real though. Yeah. Yes. I'd be happy to do that. So why don't you send me the file, or tell me where it is, and I'll uh, I'll. Uh, I just took a. It's on uh, the phone. We have I we have, have an audio. old phone that we use. Uh, yeah, and you have all the audio. It's a. I'll, I'll I will. Or I I certainly will be happy to do it. Okay. If only there was some free software that could cut audio. <laughs> yeah, Audacity uh, is actually really easy for us. Audacity, yeah. or um, I could. I use I Kate actually edit the podcast with Kate and Life. Yeah. Anyways, what what our listeners say. Uh, like I said, I think we need a cricket sound. I I don't no, see anything. No, I think we did. That, well, we, I don't, we had several emails. Um, we really? had Tony. You've been gone. I have been. We're going to let Phil handle this. We okay. had uh, one from Brian out in Minneapolis. Um, uh, so thank you again for emailing us. Uh, it's all it's always good to get emails, and especially from repeat listeners. It it means a lot. Oh, you know what? And I I now can't find it. Um, 
someone sent something to me. I didn't realize it had to do with the show because I'm not sure why. Um, they emailed directly to me, hey, Tom, you should check out this distro. And I said, when I have time, but I can't remember. What's the distro? It was that I can't remember now. It was some off-the-wall one. And I said, if I have time, I'll look at it. And they're like, we'll cover it for the show. I'm like, oh, you know, but then I completely forgot which one. It was one of the obscure ones. Um <laughs> That was That's probably about 40 or 50. I yeah, found I Source Mage Linux, and I thought it was the funniest thing. It was all sorts of grimoire and dark. <laughs> um, but we got another email from a guy named Tom S. Uh, he told us about fake good news. Oh, so, yes. That um, was amusing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So everyone be aware. Uh, I, I sent him a response of Richard Stallman using a laptop on a horse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's just... You know, Richard well, Stallman. And then I got uh, tweeted at, I think, for the first time in my life Ooh. from Matt. Uh, so thank you very much. And he also sent us an email. I've had a reply sitting in my inbox for about two weeks now. And I just haven't pressed send. I haven't forgotten about you. I, I think about it every time I sit at my computer. And then I try not to go to my email because I've put it off for so long. Mm. Um, is it Matt? His his last name doesn't start with an E. Matt Y. Oh, Y. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, not that Matt Tony. Right. Um, so the but the Brian email you didn't you just said he emailed us. Um, he was asking about running uh, Let's Encrypt on his router, right? Yeah, on his uh, DDWRT router. Um, and then I sent him a link to Neil Pang's Acme.sh, which is a fantastic. Um, fantastic client to get an Acme cert. Hmm. Uh, I use it a lot for testing, and they have an article about how to run DDWRT with uh, Light HTTPD or Lighty. Nice. Um, I haven't gotten a response from Brian uh, since I sent that, but here's hoping that he was able to accomplish his goals. And if not, you can touch base with you. Awesome. Very cool. All right. And yeah, I'm seeing these now. Uh, there's one. <laughs> oh, actually, the <laughs> one from back. Matt. Why? He uh, he did email into all of us, um, and he was also asking about using Let's Encrypt with uh, Nginx reverse proxies. Um, so that was interesting. Found it. It was uh, it was Tom S because he also emailed me directly. Thomas. It was MX Linux. That's what he had suggested us to uh, review. Mm. Oh, okay. I almost think I've heard of it. But then, you know, I, I go back and dig up all that stuff. Yeah, so I found it. just took me a second. So you said fake news. I'm like, it was the same person. Just <laughs> email me directly. That was such a goofy picture. We'll, we'll make sure to post that. that yeah, I, and it's yeah, actually, MX Linux is based on uh, Debian Stable. Yes. It's Debian. And uses great. the core antics components. So it may have come from the old Mepis. Yep. So. It did. It, it it was uh, from the former Mepis communities. Mepis, mm-hmm. Mepis, Mepis, I was Mepis. Yeah. I remember running Mepis at one time. Yeah, I Shortly. I used to use it. I, I used to... it because I it was the first Linux distro I got wireless working in. Yeah, as I've you know shared before. I think I first the first time I went to Ohio Linux Fest, like I installed it the night before and mm-hmm. I couldn't get it working. But this was like, what the the first main edition or whatever that was. Sure. I don't know, it was two thousand. Yeah. Four. Back when Linux didn't work on things, now it works on all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of that, the um, I know we're kind of getting off the, I think we're still on our listener feedback, but uh, 
Um, the um, System 76 laptop is working like a charm. Wonderful. So, nice. Yep. They make such nice stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're moving on to... Moving on to distros. Distro Fever, where we cover the latest hot distro releases and news. Distro Fever. So the latest distros. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like it's been a little, uh, little slow, you know, as far and that's. But we got Bodie the, Five. Maybe that needs a new review. Uh, you know, and it's funny. I was just moving right into that, um, uh, but I was just saying that's the dog days of summer and. Um, Sometimes things slow down, but you're right, mm-hmm. Tom. I did uh, one th- one that caught my eye because it was a major release was Bodhi uh, Bodhi Linux 5.0. So what I decided to do is uh, take a look at it, and I think in our next episode um, we will do a fresh looks on it. Very so, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Despite the fact that it's Ubuntu based. Despite. Yeah. <laughs> That's Tony right, should though. be happy. Linux Mint has published a new distributed version of the Debian branch. Yeah, if you're an LMDE uh, fan, then that you know that's Linux Mint on Debian edition. Uh, then uh, you should run out and get that, and said you know that's available right now. So uh, as you probably know, is uh, Linux Mint is based on Ubuntu, mm-hmm. uh, but the actually the original Linux Mint was based on Debian. And, yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and then they moved over to uh, Ubuntu because to Ubuntu because of the the quicker um, development cycle and, mm-hmm. and uh, a large. I don't know if I want to say it's larger community, but uh, you know more people developing for uh, Ubuntu, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's people that still wanted the Debian uh, base and the the more uh, open source and less commercial. So uh, they kept LMDE, but it's very long between releases. So if you want something that's ultra stable and doesn't update much, then LMDE is your option. Now, this is an interesting uh, one. It's the UB ports. If you haven't heard of it, it is the formerly the Ubuntu Touch Project, which is the phone mm-hmm. version of Ubuntu, uh, which works on the Nexus 5, the OnePlus, and the Fairphone 2. It's it's interesting. There's a few other devices it works on as well, but it is an operating system distro, but it runs on essentially touch-based hardware such as tablets and phones. So it's kind of it's kind of neat. I wonder if we're going to start seeing more of that, as uh, we're really seeing a massive change in the consumer market. Of I know a lot of people, even younger people in their 30s, that don't have computers at home. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They just use a touch device because that's perfectly fine for them. Granted, that's going to be either an iPhone or Android-based device based on the current market, but uh, they're perfectly fine just to have a tablet at home or just to have that. And that's, I hate that. It's Yeah, well, we've seen a massive shift in the consumer market towards it, so it's also interesting right. that the open source market is now yeah. going to uh, get into that as well. Um, well, you know, I, I mean, ahead, my, Tony. My view on it is that there's, you know, there's two sets of people uh, that use computers. There's a oh, set. No, those that do and those that don't know. <laughs> Actually, exactly. Yeah. There's ones that create stuff and there's ones that just consume Consumers. stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's people, a good point. if all you're doing is consuming video or reading mm-hmm. articles, then what does it matter if you're just scrolling? You, you don't need a full keyboard if you're not writing things or, uh, or if you're okay with voice dictation, then True. you know for short stuff. So yeah. you know, if you're but not a just, creator, you're just a consumer of content, not a creator mm-hmm. of content. That's 
it, it's divided up that way a lot when we've discussed things, uh, a few roundtables I've had about technology. Yeah. We're, we're the hackers. We don't want to give up that control, but some people don't want to have that in the first place. They don't. Mm -hmm. I completely understand. Like a person who told me, I used to have all these problems with my recipes. Um, in trying to get them online, it was always a pain. I got a virus and I clicked on this and installed a toolbar and my computer's broke. And they're like, oh, I got a tablet. It's on a stand. I have a recipe app. It works. Right. Mm -hmm. So from a person who's very limited amount of technology yeah. use. So. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. It's I interesting. Just, yeah. It's concerning to us that going, wait, don't take my hardware. <laughs> don't just give me a virtual machine in a cloud. <laughs> but actually, that what you're talking about would be nice to run a full Linux on a tablet that's going to be like your... Uh, your kitchen computer, but all you need to do is scroll through it and look a couple things up. Or, yeah. yeah. So that's, and it's kind of, for, for a lot of the consumer level stuff, like you said, people who just consume content, not necessarily creating it as much, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just that, um, well, I think eventually we're going to go full circle and we'll be, we're going to be, um, we'll communicate in pictures and uh, <laughs> just like the Egyptians, yeah, exactly. I think we're already there. Yeah, we are already. Yeah, there. my Slack channel is mostly memes. I'm gonna throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's how we talk to each other. Communicating pictures and everything's gonna be on the servers and the mainframes. Exactly. All I right. may have included a year hired offer as the job offer for the new guy, which he thought was hysterical. We made a meme and sent it to him. So, so uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Of mainframes, my favorite. My favorite Twitter account is the saddest server. Oh, it's just a sad server, and the most the most recent one is a blockchain. But all the lies are you tell yourself to get through the day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's I think see. We've covered uh, distros. Distros. Uh, deep in, I'm not clear on this project. You guys followed it at all? The deep in Linux. A little bit. I mean, it's out of China. In so I so. Uh, yeah, and I kind of I I kind of hate to say this, but then I always I'm always suspicious of. Well, you don't um, need to be suspicious. You can Google Deep in Spyware, and they cover what it what telemetry data they're sending, mm. and whether oh. or not that's right or not. There's it's been a it's been a hot topic for discussion of whether or not because they do disclose that they do it, but people don't dig into the details to look at what they're disclosing. No, in the same way that they don't read the EULA, they just click through it. I mean. Not not for that, but just in general. You yeah. know, you get get something new, and uh, you've got that 50-page uh, thing to license to read. It, it has sparked some heated is. debates um, and a few subreddits about Deep In because a lot of the people in China are going, this is part of our culture to do this. We think the government should have this. Like, they are very, you know. They're, yeah, they're just okay with it. And they, they're yeah. very okay with it. They're also like, well, you give all your data to Google willingly. We like to give it to the government because the government is it, – it's a weird debate. Um, but, by the way, it has it in there. So for those of you that are not wanting to sign up for I want my data with the Chinese government, don't download it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I don't um, I don't run it. Yeah. So I'll just note that it – I will say this, though. The, um, the interface, the desktop, is very nice. Got but I would going. say um, that's how that they you draw you in. Uh, it, exactly. Haha, <laughs> 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 but they didn't. It's just like the um, Google man. It's really nice. Then they have all my data. <laughs> yeah, okay. So any any right. other distros that we can uh, trash or talk about <laughs> before we move on? <laughs> We're done trashing distros. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> all right, moving on to the news. Tech okay. news and views. Tech news. Who wants to start? <laughs> uh, well, go ahead, Tony. No. 
Uh, I mean, it, yeah, I've got two things right now right off the top. Uh, I have to open mine. I, they were open, but then I had a had a small problem. Right. There are third-party patches for Windows Zero Days. Bum, bum, bum. Third-party? Third-party. Yeah. I never really thought what? about that or, or heard about it. But, the first uh, party's not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a... Uh, what's about the second party? I never really thought about that. There's a, a third party or, or yeah, a community project called Zero one, Patch. Tom. Yeah, there's a there's a, a community project called Zero Patch, and uh, they were able to figure out a patch a few things, you know. Oh. Uh, so this one, it's actually really small, thirty bytes for this patch, um, and you can install it and it works. Oh, I patched all the flaws on my Lenovo here. All the Windows flaws by loading Linux. That's <laughs> right. my third-party patch solution. So I thought it was interesting. No, that's cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, and then I have another one that there is a critical vulnerability patched in a PHP package repository. So I always I thought this was interesting because I didn't even know this. I mean, I, I assumed there was something like this out there, but there's a package list, a, a site that does, you know, it's packagist.org and uh, you can go through and find all sorts of PHP packages and and uh, there's on their site there's like a, a text field that you can uh, discover things you know like I guess searches and stuff and if you type in the string you can start executing on the shell execute commands on the shell oh. and uh, yeah so they, they fixed that but uh, you're able to, and what it is, is when you want to post your project on there, you are supposed to be able to put a, a URL to, like, your Git project or Subversion or Miracle or, or what, Mer Mercurial, I'm sorry. And um, it, apparently they don't check that URL properly. And uh, you can add things like dollar sign execute me and then a command. And uh, it causes issues for them. Uh, yeah, so I thought that, that was interesting. It, parsers improperly parsing is just an absolute constant issue. Yeah. Well, input validation. Yeah, input yeah. validation is just not done as often as it should be. Right. <laughs> Please sanitize your inputs. Don't hire Johnny Drop Tables. <laughs> Johnny Drop Tables. Right. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's an old joke, man. Is your son named Johnny Drop Tables. We have a real problem here at the school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm. Anyway, so that's uh, that's the two I had. All right, you got something, Mary? Uh, I got a couple things. I got the ones from last week. <laughs> um, actually, it was um, there was one that was on Extreme Tech. Um, this was this came out I think about a week ago on twenty fourth of August. It said now you can run Windows ninety five as an app in Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. Did With you guys? Electron. Yeah, did you see that? That's cool. Yeah, and yeah. apparently um, it's uh, <laughs> they said. Yeah, has a sleek, modern design of today's operating systems left you feeling bored and yearning for the old days? <laughs> <laughs> and so they said that. It's, I, I guess it's just a single executable so that it'll open up and you can um, you know, do all the, all the wonderful little things that were available in Windows 95 um, back, back in the day are available in this. This is going to be able to port it over to uh, HTML5. Like they co yeah. So well, they, there was a Java version. There's a, yeah, like a Java years ago well. that came out, and I remember looking at that. And but it wasn't like full, like it wasn't actually Windows. It was just like the emulation of, of Windows ninety five. Uh, but this is supposed to be like the full on Windows, right? Yeah. Yes, 
And, and somebody commented on they says, I remember Windows 95. Don't want to relive it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sort of funny. But, uh, but yeah, they've got, you know, just all the standard stuff. Um, um, oh, one, one problem with it is that, <laughs> you'll laugh, uh, Internet Explorer can't detect an Internet connection. Well, mm-hmm. it's for the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So that old of a version shouldn't be on the internet. Yeah, and it's, well, it said it wouldn't do you much good anyway because virtually every site would be hopelessly broken in a 23 year old operating system browser. Yeah. So, but yeah, so it's a it's a single standalone file, so it's quick to upload without installing, and um, and apparently the author got it running in a Pixelbook running Chrome OS, oh. so with with Linux uh, app support enabled. So that was, uh, but he's, but he said the downside to it was a little bit more buggy than uh, just running it, you know, straight up in. Uh, uh, well, Windows ninety five is not or, real stable compared to modern yeah. operating systems. I yeah. mean, it was it was what it was for the day. Yeah, and then of course they, they leave us with this: you'll have a hard time finding a lot of Windows ninety five software. Mm-hmm. But this is mainly about nostalgia. So yeah. unless yeah. you unless you pull open an old desk drawer and find a bunch of floppy disks, well, then you have a whole other problem. <laughs> I gotta admit, emulators can be fun. I mean, playing with old like TRS-80 and Commodore em- emulators, you know, stuff that I used when I was a youth. It's pretty neat. It's uh, revisiting all those. Oh yes. Um, you know, I, I heard somebody else talking about this, and they were wondering about um, uh, licensing and, and why they weren't um, like sued over this. Why this guy, why Microsoft hasn't been upset about it? And was it just 1.3 or Windows 3.1 was uh, open source, but not 95 or? So there's a lot of, uh, most of the time Microsoft just weighs it out. They just don't care. It's like, yeah, yeah. cool. At least you're using Windows still. No one's using it anyways. Um, so I think it's mostly of it isn't worth our time and our lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all right. That, that's be my guess. Yeah. Another one I found, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know if you heard about this one. Um, it's called Joplin. Are you familiar with Joplin? No, I am not. The singer? Janice? <laughs> no, the capital of Missouri. No, it's oh. not the capital. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, anybody in Missouri who's listening. I know that uh, Columbia is the capital. <clears throat> but anyway, this is, um, excuse me, this is a uh, an encrypted open source note-taking tool. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's a Joplin, as I said. Um, but you can, um, you can organize notes into notebooks. You can add tags. Um, you can search in notes and across notebooks. Um, it's... Um, I looked, it looks pretty, looks pretty interesting. Um, they also have an optional command line client if you just can't get away from the CLI. <laughs> um, it's cross-platform? Yeah. And there's mobile apps yeah. for it? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, they said it doesn't offer as many features as Evernote, but they said it's a, a robust open source Evernote alternative. So if you, you, know, you don't have anything really elaborate and complicated to do as far as your note-taking, I typically just look for... A blank, uh, blank screen and a keyboard. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, and the ability to search my notes. So anyway, but I wanted to share that because I that's thought it was kind cool. of interesting. And um, there was an article that came out about it uh, yeah, a week or two ago. It says there's a end-to-end <clears throat> encryption and synchronization for various services mm-hmm. like NextCloud, Dropbox, WebDev. Mm-hmm. So actually the NextCloud is what I'm interested in because uh, I'm using one thing, um, the, the NextCloud cloud app. Uh, and are you? They're for okay. notes and stuff, and it works pretty good. But yeah, uh, I mean, end to end is the only encryption I have running is my HTTPS. Okay. You know, a TLS encryption, but sure, um, which is okay. Yeah, but it, there's no like stored, like it's not encrypted on storage. Uh, so that's why I'm interested oh, in how this would saying. work. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so that. Uh, 
Um, and and also, um, one thing, too, that the article noted is that it doesn't use encryption uh, by default, so you've got to enable it in the settings. And uh, apparently it's really easy to do because you just go to Tools, Encryption Options, and then enable it for end-to-end -end encryption. So then that kind of takes care of it. Um, but, yeah, it's available in all those platforms I mentioned, as well as uh, there's an app image, uh, as well as an R package for uh, those of you who use uh, Arch Linux. Yeah. So, yeah. I like I like the use of notebooks and then notes inside it. Mm -hmm. and that's yeah, what, I like that what too. I currently don't have, I, and that's what I want something like that. Kind of organize. Yeah, I can say everything here is related to one thing, and then it's all mm -hmm. the notes in there, and then here is related to something else. And yeah, yeah. Otherwise, right now I have just this gigantic list of notes, and I have to like, well, its date was back, and but here. But you do have the ability to search it, right? But this yeah. supports, um, tag, you know, a little hashtag like or just tags so that you can tag your stuff. I found, and then I, I, I don't know, um, I, haven't, I haven't used it yet, but um, I don't know if it creates a tag cloud or where you can kind of, you know, you've seen those things where it spins around and you Actually, it looks, it looks like it does. It does? It, okay. it, you know, it shows the last uh, tags you put tag in there and then you cool. can search it. Yeah. For no reason other than they look neat. I know, right. exactly, Tom, yeah. exactly. So anyway, oh, yeah, cool. so I wanted to share that. That is neat. Yeah, and then I um, also saw an article here, uh, $600 Chromebooks are a dangerous development for Microsoft. Um, um, speaking of that, I think uh, I saw a commercial where uh, they've got the Surface, they've got a version of the Surface, which it looked like a kind of a glorified tablet for $399. Hmm. Um, but uh, but this kind of, this caught my eye simply because it said a danger to Microsoft, but uh, they've got... Um, this was just, uh, apparently it was just la launched this past week. Um, it's Lenovo's $600 Yoga Chromebook. So I don't know if it does certain stretches before it goes or, or if it's just, that's, you're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's um, kind of interesting, I guess. It, uh, it, and perhaps they call it yoga because you can twist the, uh, yeah, the, twist the panel around and bend, bend it. Bend it over mm. backwards. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, they kind of compared it to uh, Google's Pixel Book, which is obviously an, an astronaut, as they termed it, an astronomically expensive Chrome OS machine. But uh, but they're becoming very very popular. We're seeing yeah. a lot of them. The yep. schools, schools have them and, and all of that. Else. Yeah, exactly. So they make a lot of sense for the schools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it certainly does. Another thing too, Tom. What are you running on your phone um, as far as um, version of uh, Android nine uh, Pi? Yeah. Yep. Um, did you see the article? Um, I've got it here. Um, Twenty-five cool new features uh, in Android nine point zero Pi. Yes, the I like the gestures and some of that. It's adaptive really nice. battery. Yes. Uh, dark mode. I that means you that. can you can become your f most uh, favorite villain. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and make villainous calls. If you feel uh, like a villain, I'm surrender to Google here. Yeah. App, <laughs> have, have you tried app actions yet? Yeah, it's really okay. it, it's got some it's got neat a lot features. Of, I, I won't go through all twenty five because yeah. we in the interest of time. But what uh, is what is app actions? Um, well, what it is is um, hang on, let me just flip back up to it here. Um, it's it's similar to shortcuts, um, so that you can you know if you press an uh, oh. icon, you can it'll bring up uh, little menus and things. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it gives you more suggestions on what to do with it. Oh yeah, yeah, and and I don't believe any of them um, have anything where the sun don't shine associated with it. Do you get if you get that? Okay. Send it to where? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Actually, my complaint about it so far Are is you that nine? I am, and uh, I don't know what when I'm I I get an alert or a notification, and I'll swipe it off, 
and one second later, it'll say I have a new alert. I'll look, and it's the one that I just swiped off. Well, they're alerting you that it's, you swiped it off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It'll be like, you know, it'll be like Facebook says that this person liked your post or whatever, you know, and then I'll swipe it off. I'm like, I really don't care. Oh. And then literally a second later, it says, hey, this person says you liked, it liked your post. And it's the exact same so notification. So about a month ago, um, because of problems I had and my wife was having too, I removed Facebook from there. Not personal problems, but like notification problems. <laughs> Just to put it out there. Um, but I, uh, right. I decided I was on Facebook too much, so I removed it from my phone. And one, I'm very happy. Um, my mm-hmm. happiness level, not that I can measure that, but it seems better. And um, But it's the notifications and some of the weird things that my phone did all went away. Like just general problems. My battery life is substantially more. And I can't tell this because I'm not using it or because mm-hmm. Facebook just used up sure. a lot of battery. But yeah. Oh, I'm sure it did. I had the same notification problems too. They just, I, you can notify and it just keeps, it will also just randomly tell me a lot of things that I don't know why. So-and-so posted <laughs> in subgroup. I don't even, I turn off notifications. Uh, yeah, that person who cares? And it still tell me. I, so yeah. there's all I, kinds I of little things. I, yeah. And they want to, you know, they, they're they talking, not to get off track here, but I think I will just a tiny bit. They're talking about wanting to get your bank information. Yeah. Finan- your, get their hands on your financial yes. information. Well, I mean, I can see the legitimate use of it. You is can that send you money can buy things and send money, you know. I use PayPal for that. Forth. Right. Well, we actually, to PayPal is one of the options. You oh. can add your PayPal account on there. Yeah. I would never do but that. But I, yeah. I still, somebody wanted to uh, wanted to sell me something on there, like, here, and sent me, like, the request money through Facebook. I'm like, I'm not doing it on there. I'm like, send me the, the PayPal. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. Oh, the other, the last thing too um, of this twenty list of twenty five that I'm not going to go through. Um, apparently, there's an easier way to take screenshots. Yes. So anyway. that's actually really nice. What's yeah. The, so what is the easier way? It's, uh, it's hold a the power I, button. Yeah. Um, hold oh, the, I did see because before menu. you'd have well, to, really well. you got to do the power button and the volume for a that few was seconds. Volume down. Yeah. That, I mean, that, I, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. I still use it it's that way because bad. otherwise you have to hold down the power button for what three seconds and then it pops up and then you have to hit the on the screen. Where if you do just volume and down, yeah, that's so works. I just had trouble because my case kind of prevents me from easily pressing volume oh, and down there at the same you go. time. Okay, so yeah, so there was that, and then um, I think uh, do I have anything more here? Um, no, I I have a little KDE, just a small KDE thing when we get to it. So that's it. That's all for me. Thank you very much. All right, thank you, Mary. Phil's got a couple things. Yeah. Um, the quote unquote gold standard for net neutrality bill was approved by the California Assembly. Yes, it was. Um, The bill imposes limits on data cap exemptions, uh, also known as zero rating, and says that ISBs may not attempt to evade net neutrality protections by slowing down traffic at network interconnection points. Um, The vote was passed uh, 61 to 18. All 55 Democratic members of the Assembly and six Republicans voted for the bill. All of the 18 votes against came from Republicans. Um, if if you haven't been following the news, recently uh, the Santa Clara County Fire Department has been fighting wildfires and Verizon throttled their unlimited data. So they were unable to communicate with firefighters out in the field and all sorts mm. of chaos and stupid havoc that should never have happened ensued. Wow. So, um, Phil, did they go into any detail at all about the rationale for voting against it? I mean, they're probably, you know. Not, not that I could find on mm-hmm. Ars Technica, okay. but some other website uh, may have. Okay. 
Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Basically, the younger said it was a good thing, so we say it's a bad thing is often what happens in American politics. Not my party. Yeah. Not my party. Yeah, I not, can't yeah. vote that way. I kind of hate yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found a cool tool. Uh, I use regex101.com all the time to help me make like regex matches and stuff. And then yesterday, I found tcpdump101.com. I clicked on it. That's neat. And so TCP Dump 101 has been des- has been designed to help people capture packets on different devices and assist with network troubleshooting, service troubleshooting, and uh, red team activities. Um, there's an assumption that the user has a basic understanding of the data they want to capture. Um, and then they strongly suggest that if you're just starting out with packet captures, to grab a copy of VirtualBox and play around with Linux and TCP Dump. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty cool. This, this thing is pretty nifty. It shows you how to set up uh, packet captures on FortiGates and Cisco's and some other vendors. Um, mm-hmm. And they a, have a donate button, so if you really find it useful, throw a couple of bucks their way. Yeah, it, it's a good training tool because sometimes when I look at the PC, the TCP dump uh, man page, my eyes gloss over until I remember that I can read. <laughs> uh, so having a visual tool in front of me sometimes is super useful. Um, Something else that I'm excited about, Wine 3.15 was released, and it's got a bunch of bug fixes. And then along with that, uh, I think Tom's got a news article about this too, so I'm stealing from him right now, yeah. or he'll be stealing from me. Um, Steam has their Steam Play have their own version of Wine that they're calling Proton. Um, and mm. along with this Wine 3.15 update, Proton's got an update as well and it's going to have uh dxvk which is direct 3d11 over vulcan support which means that pretty soon we'll get to play all the newest coolest games in linux yes now if the way i would title it is steam kills windows (laughs) 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 it is boiling them alive (laughs) it did kind of riff on that though is um the, the thing we hear from the gaming community, because we build custom gaming systems here, is all the time. I wouldn't run Windows at all if it wasn't for the fact that I need to play my game. And so this is the thing that is going to push a lot of people, because the gaming holdout is like the number one reason amongst the younger uh, game-playing, tech-savvy crowd that they don't run Linux. Like, they're more than happy to run it. They just, I need my game to work. I play games. This is... You know, I'm, they're, it's one exception because they're still content consumers, like we were talking about. But they're content consumers that that need a nine hundred dollar graphics card. <laughs> and, oh, those prices are astronomical. They are, uh, especially that new one that came out. But the, the uh, when it comes to the operating system choice, they have no particular fancy for Windows or any of the functions and features. Matter of fact, they are much more agitated by the problems that come with it, the confusion on the licensing, the. Uh, I replaced my video card and Windows licensing broke problems that we run into where you have to constantly go through reactivations. They're like, there's no love they have for Windows. Um, Oh, and random, I want to play a game of decided updates. So Steam doing this is a really big move into that direction. Good. And while you're looking, Tom, and everybody, I just want to mention, um, I saw saw a little article, um, I think it was yesterday, Dell's coming out with an even uh, less expensive version of their XPS 13 that uh, comes preloaded with uh, Ubuntu Linux. Yeah. I think $899 is what it's uh, it's going for. It's $100 less than the original. Yeah. So so I was kind of happy to see that. You can get an entire computer for the cost of a graphics card. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're right. 
Yeah. Or it, two Chromebooks. <laughs> yeah, or a couple of Chromebooks. Um, the kernel 4.19 uh, just hit beta. Um, mm-hmm. Softpedia thinks that it's going to be released sometime in mid-October of 2018. So that's pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to uh, the 5.0 release. Yes, soon we'll be at the 5 release. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last cool thing that I found is this thing called Sonic Pi. It's an open source programming environment for creating uh, sounds and music. Um, it was developed by Dr. Sam Aaron from the University of Cambridge, and he uses the software to perform live with his band and teach kids how to program and work with music. Oh, it is cool. pretty cool. I was watching the video. Oh, uh, yeah, last it's night. super interesting. It's 45 minutes long. It is. So I, I, I skipped, skipped through, through it. a little bit, yeah. But it is pretty cool. He, it, it's like a, a full synthesizer you can do writing code. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it, it, it's pretty neat. cool. I saw that they have mm-hmm. uh, a pretty active uh, forum. We've got it here in the show notes along with uh, the video that Tony just mentioned. Um, and people share uh, songs that they've made. And it's just code, which I thought was awesome. Is that yeah. like Super Collider? What is? I have no idea. Super Collider. I played around with that about uh, 10 years ago. It, it was this environment. I think it was in an Emacs environment, which, of course, put me at a disadvantage immediately. Oh. But it was a and way to else. put together, um, to program basically sounds, in, in, um, which I think mm. you could, could put together into music. I wonder if it's built on that or, or similar, because he said, actually, you can use, uh, it, or it has Emacs uh, shortcuts built into Oh, maybe uh, Sonic Pi. Oh, maybe may, you know, maybe it evolved into that. That's interesting. Or, yeah. yeah, it's interesting you say that, Tony. Mm. Interesting. Be. So, okay. I can tell. I can tell you just by looking at a snippet of uh, Super Collider sound. Sonic Pi is far more accessible. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, and one of the, that's one of the problems I have with Super Collider is that it really too hard to use. It, yeah, for someone at my level, it was. Well, cool. and, and the goal of these technologies is to try to bring it to the masses to mm-hmm. some extent. So, you know, make sure. things a little easier, make things more intuitive for people who are the consumers or just want to play with technologies. Yeah. So that's it for me. All Thank right. You. Thank you, Phil. So on the heels of Anything the... left for you, Tom? Did we take it off? <laughs> did, you, did you talk about the AT commands? or was I didn't. Uh, I didn't know if it's... I thought, oh, am I looking at the wrong... I, I put a link to yeah, atcommands.org. Um, so AT commands are old uh, commands that uh, telecom would use to communicate with modems, but you can also use them to configure Android phones. Yes. And there was there was a hack uh, released a really recently. Really bad one, too. Where you can um, unlock the phone, uh, exfiltrate data, all sorts of stuff, um, just by plugging in the phone to, to USB. USB. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um the different USB modes on the phone don't protect against this. Uh, and they've got a video of the shell commands running right next to a phone without a human hand interacting with the phone. And you can see all of this automation yeah. take stealing your datas. Mm. Yep. Yeah. It takes physical plug-ins, so it is a physical attack, but it's still a quite scary one. Mm-hmm. And during this attack, they discovered untold amounts of uh, undocumented AT commands. Really? Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Very interesting, yeah. Yeah. AT, DT, and pound, phone number to do the connect. I, used to, I still know how to do those from command. <laughs> this, I used to do that. Yeah, this is, why, 
This is why I'm always leery about those charging stations. You can walk up and like they plug sell your phone a device in. that removes the middle two pins. Yeah, so this it's is, just power and no. It's called data. the USB condom. Look it up. Oh, yeah. and that's what it's for. Is it removes the middle two pins? Uh, therefore, the attack becomes null. They have USB three version. I think or so. C, I mean, yeah, I would yeah. have all of them. All right. On the heels of the new Linux 4.19 kernel, uh, uh, Veronix did some testing because we have the, you know, Spectre Meltdown foreshadow and the mitigations have been implemented within the new kernel. And uh, so they did some performance reviews and to nobody's surprise, AMD is not affected dramatically, but Intel, not dramatically, but definitely. This is all inching away at the overall performance. And for those of you that don't know what that means, uh, you're gonna pay more money for cloud services because as if they lose 3% of their CPU performance to gain it back, they will just charge us more to <laughs> get that performance back on the cloud. New server, bigger size. New server, more more size. Um, relate to this, because you know, we, we like to obscure things occasionally. In, Intel publishes microcode security patches, but doesn't allow benchmarking. That's the title. That is what Intel did. Backlash from the community that saying you can't ba- you can't you can't review the, the t- what fixes we're doing and the performance degradation. They tried to pass the rules they couldn't. Everyone laughed at Intel and Intel changed the wording, realizing it was impossible. On a good note, the Intel TPM2 software stack is available for the Trusted Protection Module, and it's all open source. Mm. Uh, they gave it all away, so that's good. So it will be easy to implement everything. It's uh, fully open source licensed. We talked about the Valve Steam Play. Uh, Tesla. And a lot of people want to know why they weren't being sued over this. They've been in violation of GPL for quite a while, and everyone's like, well, they should have been sued. And everyone's like, uh, no, suing's expensive and everything else. Then they finally got the outcome we wanted. Tesla's going to be releasing more of the code and going to be more in compliance with GPL uh, of what they're using in their cars. So that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, Kubernetes, anyone heard of it, Phil? <laughs> yep. Uh, Google has set Kubernetes free and threw $9 million in its pocket. So uh, they're spinning it off into its own independent thing, and uh, it's starting with a $9 million fund to get it going. It's it's already part of the Linux Foundation's cloud-native uh, computing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this money that Google gave, it's a credit to Google Compute Engine. So Kubernetes is going to be is touted to be the de facto standard for running uh, containerized jobs, but that's supposed to be across all of the cloud infrastructure. Um, Some people have doubts that only having this money come from uh, Google Compute is going to help like vendor lock uh, Kubernetes to Google Compute. But I mean, it's just for testing and running code you can also start up kubernetes and containers anywhere else yeah money money to test is really nice yeah so at least it's funded and hopefully it's all open source so we'll see um mozilla changes firefox policy from do not track to will not track so they're going to stop playing nice with the privacy stuff so it's an uh more nuanced changes, but, uh, you know, they're, Mozilla's realized that their niche in the market's probably going to be, hey, we're not the other browser who d- just gives away all your data. We're going to help uh, with the not tracking. So I thought that's interesting. They're kind of niching down in that mm-hmm. market. Um, and the last thing I have, please update if you haven't, SSH username enumeration. Now, don't worry, Phil. 
you're not affected and neither am I because we don't have uh, user password authentication turned on. Tony, and he left you and I off that. Maybe uh -oh. Tony does. <laughs> Probably Tony too. Please don't. Please don't. I, I don't use uh, key authentication. Okay. Tony uses key too. So <laughs> I seem to have made a face when I said that, so I pointed at him. But mm -hmm. uh, I don't use someone SSH. found out for a number of years in plain sight, there's been a way you can figure out all the usernames on a system uh, through a username enumeration hack. Now, it does not gain you access, but it does gain you an edge because now you have the usernames uh, that are available on a system. And it's uh, a flaw that was recently patched in SSH to close that. Mm. So it didn't get you passwords. It didn't, it's not. At like that 10 CVE level, but it's still bad. What did it like say? You have the wrong password, but your username yep, is okay. Exactly. Really? Yeah. That's been like unknown. You don't do that for a long. There's long a, time. and it's not by default does it. There's some way someone dug into a way that you can make it do that. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if even running fail ban with like a very strict three failed uh, connections maximum, if you could get around that. Just with the oh hey well, you failed the password once you, let's try let's try the next enumeration they'd start they'd probably still be able to enumerate it but uh, it take a long long but time. then to try to once you have the username and to try to to brute force the password failed band would never let them connect yeah especially if you tweak the the settings to three tries and ban for twenty four hours or. Or you could say banned for two months or whatever. I've locked myself out of my boxes so many times with that software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and the bottom line is hopefully you're using key authentication. But if you do have SSH and a password, hopefully you're using high entropy. But as we all know, uh, outside of this table, a lot of people use really weak passwords for things. And that's often where many, many of these breaches start. But that's what I have for the news. I actually have one more thing I want to add. Uh, I, uh, I ran across this Raspberry Pi project. That I think is really interesting, and I'm probably not going to end up making it, but but it's interesting. Um, but for for everybody that's looking for just a simple MP3 player or podcast player, there's a Raspberry Pi project for it. That's a portable MP3 player, and it looks almost like an original uh, iPad, iPod, with, uh, with the in, wheel and all. Instead that? of a wheel, it's oh. the, it's a four-way cursor, but with okay. a small screen and. Uh, and then you, whatever size you, SD card you want to put in it is the size of storage you get. Oh, wow. And uh, it's pretty the, cool. It's What's it called again? Um, let me go back. Is it, yeah, I gotta hit Raspberry that. Pod? Uh, PiPod. Oh. <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. A PiPod. And I'm looking at it on hackaday.io. And there's so many screenshots or pictures of it I just went through, and now I'm trying to get back to oh, the yep. main... It came up second in my Google search. So I, I don't know about those algorithms. How do I get out of the screenshot mode? <clears throat> escape. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. Smash the escape key. Hit, uh, hit escape a few times. Did that help? No. Oh, back to project. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, it's, so it's called PiPod, and it's a Raspberry Pi Zero portable music player. Neat. And it's a, a little white MP3 player, you know, that's about half the size of the average cell phone. And um, and it's just really interesting, you know. And running on Linux, you can it'll run it'll play just about anything. And yeah, because uh, I was listening to Tilts the other day, you know, the Linux Link Tech Show, mm -hmm. and they were talking about this, um, or not not this project, but they were talking about Raspberry or uh, uh, MP3 players in general, and how 
you know, the Sansa clip and all these sorts of MP3 players, even though technology has increased, the little MP3 players have actually reduced in, in uh, functionality. So, um, I have market I demand. I play everything on my phone. I won't lie. It's because that way I don't have to carry another device. You have device. to build this? I'm looking at yeah. this, and it says, start by soldering the SMD components <laughs> to the board using a hot air flow station. What the heck? I have, you know, and I do, I have soldered. Yeah. I've done le- electronic soldering. station. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> it's in this room. Right. I might. We actually need that. If you want to borrow it, we don't use it very often anymore. We don't do. I, I, I don't even. Know. Well, what does it do? I mean, I understand from the name, it uh, it uh, reflows the hot air. But what, what does that mean? Um, it's so you can heat the chips up, <clears throat> and when you reset some of the BGA chips and things like that, we don't oh, have a okay. super precision one. Right. It's good for small projects. Yeah, the the project showing you have to do like um, uh, what is it called? Um, surface contact. Yeah, we can do uh, those. soldering and. Oh yeah. So that, I, when I saw that, I just thought, ooh. It. Yeah. I thought, though, they had... Um, I like the speaker a arrangement to, to they've got there. A, they've, got the, they've got the little box thing, the wood yeah. boxing with the speakers and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <coughs> so I thought it was a really neat uh, neat project. And, yeah, uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for sharing on a project I will never do. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it is pretty cool. <laughs> if you've got that hot air reflow station, it, it should work well. It should yeah. work well. I've talked um, about holding a soldering class here. If people want to learn some of that. Do we have a lot of people interested? In, like the nerd, that's the once they get over that, they're like, I want to build a project, but they're always stuck on like sometimes just the getting started part. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then the soldering gun is a little specialized too. It's mm-hmm. you don't you don't really just use that uh, chisel type uh, tip right. like I do for my yeah, did for my one of our lead DEFCON meetups. Stuff. We'll we'll yeah. have a uh, some soldering guns out for people and talk about physical stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, be fun. Build your own uh, USB condom just yeah. cut the two wires in the middle cut the two wires show you how to make one <laughs> uh anyway so another thing that it's not news specifically news related but um we were talking about going to ohio linux fest uh so i'm not sure if anybody else then out there is uh, planning on going but it's october 12th through the 13th and um i am planning on going i think last year was the first year i missed it in like five or six years so uh Hopefully, if everything lines up right, I can. I'll be able to go. Twelfth and the thirteenth. That's Friday, Saturday. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So typically, the OLF uh, conference is the twelfth is like. Um, yeah, Friday. Se- special like sessions. Special sessions, training sessions, and stuff. <clears throat> uh, Friday night is uh, like some after party kind of things going on, and then Saturday is the actual conference with the after parties. After that. Um. And I might go down there Friday night. I was thinking about it. Yeah. I, I just got to figure out how the timing goes because the Wispapalooza that I plan on going to is like during the week, um, and it ends on Friday. Okay. And they've so. typically oh, had good there, swag then. there, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of vendors handing out things. I think I've gotten a couple uh, HP hoodies and. Oh yeah. My uh, HP hoodie disappeared. I had one, and I have no idea where it went. Really? Oh, oh. No. And I liked it. It was a really nice I hoodie. left mine in Mexico, and I had to pay 58 bucks to get it back because I loved it so much. Really? Isn't that sad? Well, yeah. It's a I nice had, hoodie. It is. Yeah. I love it. Actually, my wife, so my free hoodie now she wears it has value. <laughs> right. Yeah, so Tony's got stolen, too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's two of them. Actually, I can't find mine. I, I put it somewhere. It's probably in the trunk of my car or something, but... Oh, it's lightweight, you know, yeah. so it can really hide. Yeah, that's what. Well, uh, what's nice about it is lightweight. But 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so if you're going, let us know, and we should all get together. Uh, I know the Tilts guys, they, they usually get together, so maybe uh, we can try to get a, a big um, uh, podcasting dinner going again. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, and the Podnuts, mm-hmm. they've been there in the past. I don't know if they've been there the last couple of years. Oh. Um, yeah, I haven't you know, talked to them in a door, while. Door to door? Yeah, door yeah. And, and a bunch of those. So we should... Uh, yeah, we need, we need yeah, to get I didn't go to get last together. year. Hmm. Cool. Phil, have you been there before? I have not. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. It's, it's fun. Uh, you know, different from uh, PenguinCon because this is strictly Linux and open yeah. source. Uh, where PenguinCon is, is more of the uh, science fiction included. But, you know, it was actually one year they had uh, the Ohio Comic Con was the same day as Linux Fest, uh, Ohio Linux Fest. So it was almost like PenguinCon, except yeah. <laughs> except for to do the Comic Con stuff, you'd have to pay another entrance fee. And but it was neat, you know, just sitting there walking around, and you see everybody in cos in cosplay costumes and stuff, and <laughs> and and a lot of the other Linux guys are like, "Whoa, what are they doing?" And I'm like, "This is almost like PenguinCon." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Penguin we know Con it's is still the one of a kind doing. unique experience. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. Did you get my request, Tom? Yes, I did. I granted. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Right. I wonder if they would let me submit a talk. Yeah. Well, it I might be too, too, late too late now. Um, I think all the talks are closed. Uh, Kevin, I believe, runs some of the management for the talks, doesn't he? Is he? I don't know if he is this year. I'll just talk in the lobby. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I don't. I'm usually on their uh, mailing list, and I don't remember seeing anything this year. Last year, I submitted like a week late, and I wasn't accepted. So. They, they're pretty organized. They're not yeah. like other places that you can submit it a day before. And they're like, yeah, we've had a slot open <laughs> But they do have volunteering. Um, uh, what? You can volunteer for them. And you so doing that's talks a good thing to check out. Are they doing BOFs this year? So if you want <laughs> oh, to apply for it to run a BOF, then uh, that's still open. They have hotels. Now, I know a lot of people like to stay at the Drury right next to it, and I really like staying there. Um, but the only thing they're showing on near this year is the Hyatt as a, um, you know, as a code thing to get in. Hmm. So I don't know if the Drury is doing it also. I'll have to call in that. Well, I, I think the Hyatt was like an – when the Drury was like the, the, the convention hotel, the Hyatt was like an overage. So maybe it's – now that the Hyatt is the primary – the jewelry is probably the yeah. overage, I would think. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I guess uh, we've come to the end of the show. And um, there's a song I do want to play. It's one of the um, Susie songs. So it's not specifically 27 years of Linux, but it's the uh, 25 year anniversary of Susie. And De- Debian's 25 year anniversary. Yeah. They're all 25. Uh, so let me, I, we will have that in the show.
was a minute's world to Vols, he made it better. Pushing programming to the limits, Linux he delivered. In 92, for German dudes thought it could be much bigger. Started business down in Nuremberg, they pulled the trigger. Once we were one year old, and Linux was free. But support was something people needed. Sold at a nominal fee. Before me, started on floppy disks, and at the start they sold just 40. This jargon it don't bore me, cause they were out for glory. From Slackware to a jury, sister, what else will they show me? Once we were five years old, and who could have guessed? We conquered Europe and moved to the US. Once we were five years old. Focused on our goals, sought out our destination Developed, yes, it was a kick-ass graphic installation Next Enterprise server for IBM was a sensation We sometimes even took our work with us when we vacationed Once we were 20 years old, we had it going on And held our first annual SUSECON What is foretold? We're all around the world and we're still growing. Soon we'll be 30 years old. I'm always open source so the whole world can use me. So I can build a better world and drive with all my nomies to build me and control me. What's the future hold for me? And our community as soldiers on to build a story. Soon we'll be 60 years old Can you imagine what we'll have done Reprogram brains And maybe just go build some better ones We could go back in time And sue the time machines But then we'll tell the founders Not to change a freaking thing Cause soon we'll be 60 years old What will the future hold? I want to see what kind of world we're building Soon we'll be 60 I love that song. It's pretty cool. Anyway, uh, so we've come to the end of the show. Uh, you have been listening to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. This was episode 284. Linux is 27. Yeah. Compile the cake. Let's <laughs> compile a cake. Yeah, let's compile a cake. <laughs> and this is Tony Bemis. Mary Tomich. Phil Parada. And Tom Lawrence. See you next time. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Linux Review. If you would like more information about this or other shows, go to smlr.us. Feel free to send comments to show at smlr.us or give us a call at 734 
7009. I'm John Miller. If you don't like it, you can bite my 8-bit metal ass. That's bite with a Y. <laughs>